welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Today's film is High Tension from 2003, the French film otherwise known as Whole Tension, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it. I didn't take French. I took Spanish. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> well, I'm glad you gave it a try. <laughs> I, I, I had to give it the old college try, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, my wife, she took French in college. She couldn't figure out how to pronounce it either, so <laughs> she's giving me a dirty look right now, so I'm probably going to edit this part out. <laughs> it's been at least 10 years since I've seen this movie. Um, what, what made you want to watch it now? Well, because I don't think that... All right, my my thought for picking it was I've never seen this and I see it referenced online all the time. People are all the time referencing this movie. Um and so I thought, you know, I need to get with the times and see what this movie's all about. As it turns out, I think I have seen it before. Um oh, yeah. because I'd be surprised. Yeah. yeah, there's this is first of all, this is a movie that relies on a big twist ending. Uh so if you haven't seen the movie and you don't or if and you do plan to, uh, you may want to not listen to this uh, and, yeah. until after you've seen it. Because um, I went into it, and it was just only vaguely familiar, but I felt like I knew something <laughs> that I wasn't supposed to know <laughs> in the beginning. And as it turned out, uh, I was right. I, but really, I didn't remember it well at all. Um, so it was all, it has to have been 15 years or more since I've seen it. Um, I guess it couldn't have been more. It just came out 15 years ago. But uh, anyway, that's why I picked it, and here we are. Your spidey sense was tingling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this movie. Uh, okay. Again, we're just gonna we're gonna be spoiling it straight from the get go. I think because that's really once you know the twist of the movie, the movie takes on a whole different shape. And I think actually that's problematic because. I didn't really enjoy it as much the second time around. I found it really almost pointless to watch the second time around. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so much of this twist, and I think a lot of what it gets criticism for online, is the twist is rather improbable. Yeah. It's improbable because of the way it's presented. I mean, if this is if this is the end result, all right? So, okay, let's just, let's just talk about the plot real quick. Okay. So... It starts out with a woman who's like sitting in a in a white room. It looks like it's a hospital room or something like that. We don't see her face, but we just see scars and things on her back. It looks like she's been through some trauma. Mm-hmm. This is intercut with some it seems like some scenes of her being chased through the woods. And uh she is saying over and over again, um I will not let anything come between us anymore. I will not let anything come between us anymore. Uh so then after all of this bit where she's being chased through the woods, um, she kind of wakes up and she's in the back seat of a of a car, <clears throat> traveling down the road with a friend. Um, this woman's name is Marie, and her friend's name is Alex, and they're college age, I guess, uh, kids uh, on their way to Alex's home. They're in the south of France. And they're going to they're, – they're roommates. Um, I guess they study together. And they're going for what appears to be a study break uh, at um, Alex's childhood home. Right. In, out in the middle of, you know, the French countryside, basically. 
So she describes this dream to her, and she says, uh, "Yeah, the dream was really crazy because." Oh, she, well, this, this, you know, Alex says, "Well, who's who's chasing you?" And she says, "Well, what was funny about it is I was chasing myself." Mm-hmm. And that that's, I mean, if you know what's coming, then <laughs> that really gives it away, right? <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, they have some conversation that again, in retrospect, also is somewhat revealing. And uh, they're basic. And I mean, I can't put the clips in because it's in French, right? Uh, what they're basically conversing about with each other is um, a little bit about Alex's boyfriend troubles. She's trying to see this guy, but she's not quite sure he's serious. And Marie seems, I don't know, a little distant, maybe even a little troubled by this when she's talking with her. Right. And and so they go to uh, Alex's house, and it's this, you know, nice, big, restored farmhouse. And they meet uh, her family, and it's a dad and a mom and a little brother and a dog. Um, it's all very rustic and sweet, and the family's really nice. Uh, and then... <laughs> well, then we just cut to this random scene of this big scary truck. Um it's not quite it's not quite as old and scary as the Jeepers Creepers truck, but that's what it reminded me of. Kind of this mm. big industrial type truck and uh we pan in towards it and it sounds and looks like the guy sitting in the driver's seat is getting a blowjob. Um but uh then the the guy in the seat throws a severed head out the window. So it appears <laughs> that he had just been pleasuring himself with this severed head. And then we cut back to the family <laughs> house, right? Like these it's, are just, <laughs> it's these so are just the, This is just the kind of things that we laugh about. You know, I guess when you watch horror movies, you just say phrases like this all the time. I know. Here we go. Oh, so anyway, he was pleasuring himself with a severed head. Yeah, right. Uh, moving on to the farmhouse. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's just kind of how it's presented, too. Like, we just, we know nothing about what's going on. We have no idea who this guy is. You know, we have no idea how he fits into this puzzle in any way. We just see this quick scene and we guess, okay, I guess there's a crazy killer out there. Um, yeah. And so they go back to the house and everything's very normal and, like, um, Alex shows Marie her room and uh, then everybody goes to bed and then Marie masturbates for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a knock on the door and it just becomes a kind of home invasion slash slasher movie. Um, This big, burly, scary looking guy who we see from the very beginning. There's no kind of trying to shroud who he is or anything. You know, we see his face. Um, and, you know, I don't know. He looks rough. He looks like a big guy. I wouldn't want to run into him in a dark alleyway. Um, but he just immediately starts killing everybody. Like, as soon as the dad opens the door, the guy reaches in with a razor blade and slices him across the face. And then um, he beats him around a little bit and somehow, like, gets his head uh, in between uh, two of the stair rails. Posts, and he uses this great big huge dresser. He slides it uh, and and takes the dad's head off. It's really brutal. It is, and the whole movie is super violent. You know, this was directed mm. by Alexander Aha. Was this his first movie? It wasn't his first movie, but it was his first big one. Gotcha. It might have been his first big budget film, but he did like two or three others before this. Gotcha. Well, 
what I know about him, which is not a whole lot, is just that he is kind of big into this really big, gruesome gore, you know, stuff, which is all well and good. The other movie that um, I always associate with him because he directed it was the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, uh, which is one of the most brutal, gross Oh, horrible, yeah. violent movies I've ever seen in my life. In fact, that I thought it was really well made, but I made the mistake. I'm like, oh, it's really well made. It's a really well made movie, so I'll show my partner and he'll appreciate it because it was well made and not only did he freaking hate it but he was legitimately mad at me for days <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, was, yeah it is one of the <laughs> uh, it was one of those movies that i was kind of sad that i watched to yeah. be honest like i've seen the original and the original's fine you know it's violent too but not like this this is you know it gets sexually violent and gross and and yeah it's yeah, it's 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 really really bad. Don't show it to your partner if they are not into horror movies. They will not appreciate mm. it regardless of how well made you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the pattern of the blood spray. It's awesome effects. Yeah, you can really see like yeah. oh anyway. So anyway, so I, you know I know him from that and and uh so he he's he markets on major violence and gore, which is fine. I don't have any problem with that. Um, and this movie is super violent. You know, the this guy, he goes around. Um, the first thing he does is he kind it's like he's kind of scopes out the house to see who's there. Uh, and he ends up tying up Alex to her bed. And um, Marie is really smart, actually, in this part and knows that the killer is looking around to see who's there. So she really quick makes up her bed and goes in and tries to get rid of any evidence in the bathroom of the fact that she's there. And when he comes in, she hides. And though he almost finds her, he doesn't. And so he doesn't even know that she's there. So then he kills the mom. He, like, slits her throat and blood splatters everywhere. And um, the little boy, he's already killed the dog. The dog was the second thing he killed um and then the little boy goes running outside and runs out into the field but we see the big guy follow him with this great big huge shotgun and he shoots the little kid marie comes back in and she goes into alex's room and she's like i'm gonna help you i'm gonna get you out of this um she tries to untie her but she can't and um eventually the big guy comes back and he takes alex out to his truck and is gonna go off with her i guess somehow marie sneaks into the back of the truck with her so they're both there and then it becomes just kind of like a little road movie for a little while <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah yeah marie's in the back of the truck it's 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 an interesting scene because um it looks like marie uh, she has a knife i'm sorry marie has a knife and it looks like uh, she's poised ready that when this guy comes around to the side of the van um to close the door she's going to stab him but instead he just immediately slides the door shut and locks it before she can. And so she's stuck in the back of this truck as he drives to a convenience store, a gas station. And while he's pumping gas, um, Marie slips out of the truck. And I think the first note that I make in on my paper is, how did she get out of the truck? Without him noticing. Right. Yeah. It just And it's an interesting scene because it's a close-up on him um, putting the gas pump inside, and then it the camera slides down to the ground level and slides across underneath the truck and you just see these legs drop out like she came out the back Mm -hmm. and then she you know walks across and uh while the guy is pumping gas there's kind of this tense scene where the gas pump is slowly clicking towards 
you know, full. Mm-hmm. And she's tr- sneaking her way towards the. She's, you know, his view of her is blocked by the truck because it's right, so right. huge and doesn't have windows. Uh, and finally, when it clicks, uh, she runs and takes off into this convenience store. And there's a clerk in there, and he's a nice guy. And she runs around and hides in the aisles. And I don't think he sees her initially. Maybe he's in the back and he comes out. No, no, no. He did because she runs in and he's standing behind the counter and she says, call the police. And he's like, what's going on? Oh, that's right. And he's like, what's going on? But she doesn't have time to tell. She just runs around um, and and she's hiding. And this big guy comes in. And here was the big, you know, kind of first surprise for me was the the big scary guy walks in and like, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? So he knows, like, like he frequents this gas station so apparently he's from around here and jimmy knows who he is but he also jimmy also knows that this girl is hiding he doesn't know why um and so the big guy goes around like i don't know shopping getting some stuff or whatever and uh he's talking um to jimmy at the counter and jimmy notices that there's blood on the big guy's hands and becomes kind of visibly nervous. And he actually starts to reach for a gun under the counter, but the big guy grabs his hand and says, I'd really like a bottle of whiskey or something like that. So Jimmy has to take keys and go to where the liquor is locked up because it's, I guess, too late to be selling liquor, but he's going to sell it to this guy anyway. And as he's standing there at the liquor cabinet unlocking it, he really furtively kind of looks over to his left and sees... Um, Marie crouched down and he kind of gives her a wink or a little nod or something like it's going to be okay I'm, I'm going to help you and then immediately the big guy comes up behind him and kills him with an axe in the back um, yeah and he's dead <laughs> yeah sorry Jimmy <laughs> Poor Jimmy is very dead because, like, not only does he axe him in the back, Jimmy's on the floor face down with his axe in his back. The guy, like, kicks him over onto his back and then just, like, steps on him to, like, push and grind the axe further into him. It's it's just really, whew. I mean, it's really gross. It's really brutal. But this is a really high-tense scene, and I think the movie earns its title, you know? Sure. It really does. Like, this this guy is really painted as ruthless and relentless, and, and it's like nothing gets by him, mm-hmm. you know? And when he just openly just kills this gas station attendant, you realize it doesn't matter, you know? I mean, they're in a public place. Somebody else could walk in. You know, this guy just just axes this dude right and he's got he's got to be crazy like if if he knows this kid i would assume that means that he's either from this area or um you, at least goes through here on a regular basis so he's kind of throwing caution to the wind i i guess if you're a psycho you don't really concern yourself with those things but um it's, yeah. <laughs> it's surprising it's surprising in its violence i didn't see it coming well marie somehow sneaks down to the bathroom and um, is hiding in the bathroom, and it's kind of a long, drawn-out scene where the big guy kind of goes through every stall in the women's room, and there's nobody in there, but he's, like, talking to himself, like, who were you looking at, Jimmy, or what were you looking at? Um, and as it turns out, she's really hiding in the men's room, and he comes in there, and he doesn't look around as much, which, again, why? Like, he was so thorough yeah. in the women's bathroom, and then he doesn't really look around in the men's bathroom at all. He just takes a mm. piss, and then he leaves. Um and Marie takes a moment once he's gone to like wash up. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening? And it's like ridiculous. A- yeah. As she's watching up, she hears the truck start up and she runs back upstairs and the truck is pulling away. 
So she calls the cops and's like, I was at my friend's house and the psycho showed up and he killed her whole family and um, now I'm at a gas station and he took my friend and I'm worried about him and the cops are like, okay, you know, they seem to be taking her seriously. They're like, you know, we'll we'll help you, but you have to tell us where you are. Um, and of course. She's not from here, so she doesn't really know where she is, and she can't give them the address of the family's home, and she doesn't know what gas station she's at or where it's at, so she kind of gets frustrated with them and, and hangs up, and then she takes the gun from under the counter and finds Jimmy's keys, I guess, and he drives like a Trans Am or some cool car like that (laughs) and she goes she goes she goes taking off after them and uh eventually she catches up with them and she follows them from a distance for a while uh until the big truck turns off on kind of an off-road like a dirt road and she drives past it i guess so that he won't immediately suspect that she's following him And she waits a little while, and then she turns her lights off, and she backs up, and she starts following him down that road. And she's following him for a while, but then she loses him somehow. Like, she's kind of drifting off or something, and he goes around a corner, and when she comes around the corner, he's not there anymore. As it turns out, he was on to her. He must have pulled off the side of the road because now he's behind her and he's chasing her and um, he's like ramming her with the truck until eventually he rams her off the road and the car flips over and um, she crawls out and she's all bloody and she's injured. Um, But luckily, out there in the middle of nowhere, there appears to be like an abandoned greenhouse. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like a glass glass covered greenhouse. It's like somebody somebody's plants. I think it's like, you know, farmers when the winter time comes, they start to certain plants that are still growing or whatever, they start to put these canopies of mostly translucent plastic over them. Yeah. And it's like this, except it's overgrown and the plastic's all ripped up and whatnot, but she can still kind of walk through here and uh and creep around. And and she creeps around a bit, but then of course, the guy comes around with his flashlight, and uh, so she sees that, and she tries to hide. And as she's sneaking around, it looks like she's going to try to stab him or shoot him. Well, no, she's she's not going to try to shoot him because she had the gun. She was the gun. Yeah, oh, she, but she, yeah, but, she but he no bullets. Had, yeah, he had taken out the bullets, and like he taunts her, like he holds them out the car window and drops them. So the gun's useless. So instead, like, like she would see that, you right? Know, kind of funny. Right. <laughs> So um, instead, she makes a mace. She uh, she gets like a, a, a broken off table leg and some barbed wire, and she wraps the barbed wire all around the leg, and she's armed with that. She's going to go all Negan on this guy. Right. From Yeah, Walking Dead. Have you ever seen that? No, but I know the reference. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. You're kind of, and when you're watching this movie, you're like, yeah, this is like, this is the weapon. This yeah. is what you should have had from the beginning. <laughs> a, a table leg wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah, and I mean, you appreciate the fact that she's tough, you know, like, and, and she's resolute. She wants to save her friend. You know, she could have just stayed and wait, waited for the cops or whatever, but she's taking matters into her own hands. Um, mm-hmm. But so she sees his flashlight kind of looking around, and so, like, she's kind of, I guess, trying to sneak up on him, but she realizes when she gets close enough that he's tricked her again, and he's just hung the flashlight like by his belt or something from the ceiling. And so it, it's just kind of naturally swaying around, and that was what was causing the movement. And then he attacks her from behind, and I think that he puts he, he takes some of that plastic that we've seen, and he wraps it around her face, and she struggles and struggles, but eventually she succumbs and she's out of breath. She doesn't pass out entirely, but she falls to the ground. 
and he gets down on the ground with her and he's kind of I don't know. He's kind of being gross and with his razor blade, like he's running it up and down her abdomen and like he kind of sticks it down her skirt a little bit. And he's saying things like, um, why do you care so much about Alex? She turns you on, doesn't she? Well, she turns me on too. And he's being all gross and he's like got his, her finger, or excuse me, his fingers and her mouth. Um, and she's crying, but we also see that she's, feeling around for something and she comes up with a rock and she hits him in the head with the rock hard um and he's stunned and he starts bleeding from his head and she gets him knocked over and um i think that then she uses the plastic on him and it seems it seems like he's dead but she lifts it up to kind of check and like i feel like she listens to see if he's breathing or she listens for a heartbeat or something and she seems satisfied that he's dead but then all of a sudden he reaches up and grabs her by the throat Um, and so she puts the plastic back over his face again until he, I guess, passes out again. And then she takes the mace and just goes to town on his face, like just obliterates his face, uh, with this mace. And you're thinking, hooray, you know, the, the day is saved. And, uh, she runs to the truck and, and she's, she flings it open and she jumps in and she's like, it's it's everything's okay you know uh i'm i'm gonna take care of you and and it's gonna be fine but here's where the big twist comes in because alex is not happy to see her that's right she takes this gag that's been around alex's mouth the whole time and she says what are you doing alex by the way has secured that knife that that she had that they had in the in the the van earlier in the truck earlier and so once she's free she she brandishes the knife in front of her and the and marie's like what what are you talking about what are you talking about i'm it's he's fine it's he's gone it's just you and me it's just you and me now and she's like you killed my family you killed my whole family how could you do this and i'm gonna kill you and then we get these flashbacks to all of uh, several of the scenes that we've seen previously except instead of this big burly man um it's her and that all starts off with the police uh coming uh, we actually see the cop cars drive up to the convenience store, and they go inside, and they see the the carnage. And one of the cops goes to the camera, mm-hmm. and he starts playing back the footage. Now, we had seen, and this is, hmm, I don't know, is this kind of a problem with the movie, too? We had earlier actually seen, uh, the movie made a bit of a deal out of showing us the mean, burly guy on the surveillance camera. Uh-huh. Um, and it had panned back to him in the shop as he walked out. But here, in the same scene, we see that this girl has, you know, Marie has actually axed this guy, and she's the one who walked out. And so they know to look for her instead. And that's how it's more or less revealed to us. And then it kind of flashes back through all these scenes, and it and it shows you, oh, Marie's actually the one who murdered uh, the mother. Maybe Alex was actually in the closet watching. Maybe she was the one actually watching. Right. Uh, I'm not quite sure there. I think that was implied, but it, it, it all kind of cuts around rather quick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so Marie is disturbed, and it appears that Marie has this um, love for Alex, and... Um, maybe is having a hard time wrestling with it or coming to terms with it or something like that. Or she's just psycho and wants her all for herself. Um, and all the talk of the boyfriend and whatnot kind of gets her going. And so she's gone on this murderous rampage. Well, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay, so she goes on. That's, all right. I'm going to finish this out real quick, and then I'm going to talk about 
the many questions and problems that I have with yeah. this. <laughs> well, we're, we're hitting a record here. I mean, I don't think we've ever finished the plot of a movie so early. Because... Well, I knew that we would because there's really yeah. not much to it. And, like, usually I take pages of notes. Like, I usually have at least two full pages of notes. And I've got, like, half a page here. I knew that we would get through it really quickly. Um, but anyway... Uh, uh, Marie is trying to reassure Alex, and it's like she's confused. Like she's like, "What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about." And so, um, Alex stabs Marie in the abdomen, and and then Alex takes off running. All of a sudden, Marie turns back into the big burly guy. It's like they, you know, there's a, a flip or something, and all of a sudden she's that actor again. And of course, he's all bloodied and and disgusting and um he uh, goes to the back of his truck and pulls out a cement saw of all things like this huge (laughs) this huge circular cement saw and he's chasing her through the woods and he's saying i'm gonna take care of you alex and i feel like you know that's meant to have dual meaning you know like Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah but what we realize is that her dream in the beginning was it, it, this is it, you know. This is it happening. You know, she's the one who's in pursuit, um, and Alex is the one who's running away. And it's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this moment. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. the guy even looks like Leatherface, and he's brandishing this huge saw, and they're running through the forest. Um, and it even, you know, plays out the same way. She gets to the highway. Alex gets to the highway. And there's a car running by, and she runs out in front, and it swerves and kind of goes in the ditch, and she runs and jumps in the back, and she's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And But of course, he can't get the car started, so um, the big scary guy shows up with his huge saw and uh, jumps up on the hood and puts it through the windshield and totally just eviscerates the driver, and the whole inside of the car is just... You know, it's like a geyser of blood, and Alex is covered in blood. Um, But eventually, she gets out, and uh, Marie eventually notices that she's out, and she's kind of pulling herself down the highway because I guess she stepped in a big piece of glass or something, so she's incapacitated. But we also see that she's either found in the car or found in the street a crowbar and she's kind of dragging that along with her but she's kind of keeping it hidden underneath her arm so then uh marie ends up you know standing over her and she's like uh so you want to drive me crazy you bitch and then she's like do you love me do you love me and she's like demanding do you love me and finally uh alex says yeah and Marie puts down the saw and leans in and starts like trying to make out with her, and like they're they're both they're both covered in blood in the middle of the street. And uh, then uh, Alex takes the crowbar and impales Marie with it. Uh, and and we cut to the end, which is you know our end cap. We go back to the hospital. We realize that the person in the hospital is Marie, and she's just sitting there chanting nothing is going to come between us ever again nobody will ever come between us again Alex and it pulls back from the shot and we see that Alex is watching her through a uh, one way mirror and she turns to somebody and says you're sure she can't see me right at which point Marie turns towards the mirror and smiles and reaches out as though she knows she's there and that's the end that was the creepiest part actually that that, that part freaked me out (laughs) Well, the look on her face is really creepy, yeah. It's super creepy, and it, it's almost kind of implied she has supernatural powers, but not really. I mean, it's just kind of like one of those things. 
Yeah, this once you, once the end comes, you're kind of like, huh, because it, uh, the movie's just full of plot holes. Exactly. So <laughs> many plot holes. Like, that's the thing. Like, I can appreciate the concept, and I think that watching it the first time, I didn't see the twist coming. And so when it came, I was so taken aback. I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. I would have never thought that. And so then I wasn't as critical about it. Knowing what the twist was and watching it again, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this doesn't even make any sense. The thing is, you know, it's presented so you will never figure this out because it, the movie makes no sense that way. So I think what you're supposed to accept is that pretty much everything you've seen play out was happening in Marie's head. Yeah. That's the closest you can come to forgiving the film. But then you have to accept that everything that you saw was just a lie, not a clever lie. You know, when these kind of twists happen, then you're supposed to be able to go back and see hints at it, you know? Right. Um, the filmmaker usually drops in these hints, or he films it in such a way that it could be ambiguous once you know the twist. I'm trying to say that, for example, the film makes it very clear that on the video camera, which is supposed to be a, you know, a neutral observer... Right. We just take it in film that a camera is a neutral observer. And so in any other film where there's some dual personality, you might see whatever we're supposed to be seeing in somebody's head playing out on screen. But then when the screen pans over to a video camera of the same thing, you know, film language just tells us that that's supposed to show us what's real, you know? Right. And that would be a way of revealing a twist. Oh, but but in the camera, it's actually her, you know? Yet this movie completely flaunts those kinds of things. So it shows us in the video camera that it's the man. And only later, you know, when the police watch it, oh, suddenly it's her. Um, And then it it just – the way that things play out, they could never have played out that way. Right. Because Alex is in a completely different location half the time as this killer is. Right. So so what's going on? Like, is she doing these murders and then going back around and, like, like playing out some fantasy as herself? I, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, even from the, just the general concept, like, concept, like, why? Why is this happening? Like, Yeah, th- why this, is she doing it yeah, in the first this, place? This girl, I mean, th- we're not, given, we're not giving any, given any history that would suggest that she's unstable. You know, sometimes in movies like this, you know, they'll talk about, oh, yeah, I went through something traumatic in my past and blah, blah, blah. And then there's, you know, some sort of at least, even if it's loose, some sort of loose motivation for why they're doing what they're doing. But it just seems like she's friends with this girl. Okay, so she has a girl crush on her roommate. Big deal. Like, yeah. that, so you're going to... And then what's the end game? Like... Yeah. Are you trying to set yourself up to be the hero? Like, you rescued her, so now she's going to be in love with you, even though, oh gosh, even though you're the one that killed everybody? Like, I don't know. Well, it's like that kind of, fa- I think it's kind of like that fantasy. I mean, it's supposed to be anyway. It doesn't make sense as it, but it's supposed to be that kind of fantasy where, yeah, you set up this this situation where you, the person you love is in peril. You know, they, they, don't, they, don't, they can't see what what you see in them but you're going to set up the situation that they're in peril and then through this traumatic incident where you come in and save them that you've set up then now they suddenly like love you but you don't do it by murdering their whole family <laughs> you know uh it's it, and what is it that triggers it and and i right. I, I mean the movie's called high tension and i think we're supposed to mean that's supposed to have a dual meaning in it's supposed to have some i think 
sexual tension is involved here. Because from the get-go, there's that weird head masturbation scene at the beginning. Right. And as I was watching that, I and th- they threw the head out, I was like, God, that head looks just like Alex. Well, apparently it was. Like, that was mm. the intention. So was Marie having weird decapitated head sex fantasies about fantasies. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> yeah and, and and as a man go ahead as a man i mean I, I is this is this trying to make some kind of statement about her sexuality that her bad side is a man that she has to kill before she can come to terms with it you know i don't with, know with, with her lesbianism or whatever i mean it's just it's problematic if you go that that far and and the whole scene with the the decapitated head, introducing it. So is that the point at which that happens before they even get to the house, right? Either then or right after. And so we don't really see any change in Marie. Like this is supposed to be like, like the guy is coming, you know, like this side of her has arrived. Right. Uh, there's nothing on the other side of it that we've wa- that we're watching that would give any indication of this. Like you said, she seems perfectly normal. Now, the point at which she sits, lays down, and masturbates is, and they make a big deal out of that, is intercut with the guy driving down the road and arriving at the house. True. And you know, the man is murdered as she kind of comes to climax. So maybe he's trying to say something here, like it's her sexual tension that becomes unleashed in in a violent way. I guess. You know, yeah. I, I guess that uh, your theory that this was kind of all, you know, just a delusion in her mind. I mean, I guess, are we supposed to believe that she has, like, dissociative personality disorder? Like, is this a multiple, multiple personality kind of thing? I guess, you know, there are concrete events that are taking place, but... It, her mind is constructing the narrative the way that it wants to. I, I, I is the only way that I can wrap yeah. my head around it. And like the whole scene in the gas station where Jimmy was familiar with the killer. Like, was yeah. that all just a delusion? Or like, I, I almost got the su- I almost got the suggestion like, so maybe he knows her, her? but that wouldn't make any sense because she's not from no. around there. Um, yeah. So, gosh, I just don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a frustrating movie. And it's funny, as we sit here talking about it, I feel like somewhere out there, there are huge fans of this movie who, if they heard us talking about this, would have all kinds of explanations that, that, we're, that we're not coming to. <laughs> well, it, the problem is you feel cheated as a viewer, I think, because it's almost back to that whole, it was all a dream kind of trope yeah and nobody really likes that unless it's done in a very clever way and this movie doesn't offer those clever aspects of it to let you go back and piece the puzzle together like you should have all along you know Mm -hmm. it's just not that at all it is truly this at best it's truly it was all a dream and everything that we saw quite honestly, was rather pointless, you know? (laughs) Right, and I I agree with you that it kind of makes you feel cheated because part of the satisfaction in watching a movie like this where there's a twist at the end, you know, this movie does it a little bit where we get little bits of flashback to kind of see her perpetrating the violence or whatever. Um, And and movies like 
any number of the Saw movies. You know, usually there's some sort of twist at the end, and then it goes back and fills in the puzzle pieces for you. And and putting those puzzle pieces together is part of the fun. And when mm-hmm. the puzzle pieces don't fit, it just kind of yeah. it, it detracts from that fun for me. Um, well, and the movie also asks us to accept. Even as a fever dream, it, okay, but the reality is that this woman m- murdered this girl's family in their home, bound up Alex, took her away, right? That is the reality. But there are a couple other problems with that, too, okay? So where did this giant truck come from? Yeah. <laughs> did she, like, where in the hell did this truck come from? Because it's kind of undeniable there's a giant truck because she's hauling Alex around in it. Mm-hmm. And... How did she get into Alex's room, bind her up in chains and a gag, without making any sound that the other family would hear, so that she can systematically go around and make a huge noise slaughtering the dad downstairs, and then come upstairs to the mother and make a huge deal slaughtering her? That was a pretty big leap as it was playing out, honestly. Yeah. But then, you know, once you add the the Alex part into it, it's even... A bigger leap and then where did what about this other car right was that all a dream too that she was pursuing herself in a in this guy's car mm-hmm. so then if that's the case how did they end up in the woods did she just parked there i guess and start wandering around mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah i actually read a review because i always try to do this because roger ebert was alive when this movie came out yeah. and believe it or not he reviewed it uh he hated <laughs> and, uh, it right he did, and he said, this movie ha- has pothole big enough for you to drive a truck through. And in fact, they do, in fact, drive a truck through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got mixed reviews. It got some positive reviews, um, but uh, Ebert wasn't the only one who didn't like it. Um, people, some you know, horror fans immediately noticed major similarities between this and one of Dean Koontz's novels, Intensity. I've read a lot of Dean Koontz, but I haven't read Intensity, so I, I can't make the connection. But apparently their plots and the twist are strikingly similar. And AHA admitted that he had read the book, was familiar with it, was familiar with the plot, and um, never really said oh, yes, I directly plagiarized this, but really kind of didn't deny it either. Um, but Dean Koontz uh, refused to sue because he didn't, want to ha- he didn't want his name associated with the movie at all. He thought that it was <laughs> awful and vile and um, crass and, and disgusting. Morally and, bankrupt, he said, yeah. Yeah, morally <laughs> bankrupt, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He didn't even, you know, if it was plagiarized, he didn't care. He didn't want his name attached to it in any way. So um, it's definitely had its critics, but I swear to God, I read online all the time when people are talking about, you know, great horror movies. This one comes up all the time. When I first watched it, it was a great... I mean, I remember being on the edge of my seat through this movie. And I do also remember... And this was 2003, so we're, we're kind of getting into the Saw area era here. So the kind of just unbelievable brutality that you see in this movie was still fresh and new. Right. You know, we weren't really seeing this level of violence yet um, unabashedly. And so it did have a certain thrill in that way. So I do remember, again, my first time through this movie, even after the twist, thinking, okay, well, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense, but it was, it was, that was a fun ride. But on repeat viewings, it's, it just, it's kind of annoying. 
Yeah. Upon a repeat viewing, it does seem a little more senseless, you know? Um, and maybe even through that lens, it also seems even more exploitative. We just wanted an excuse to show you a ton of violence, and then we, we don't even have the courage to be able to come up with a good reason for it, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a and, good justification. And- yeah, and I think you're right. I think that it hasn't aged particularly well just because I think that we're not as sensitive to the kind of brutality and violence that you that was here. Like you said, in 2003, it was kind of fresh and new. By today's standards, it's kind of, you know, whatever. We've seen, we see that all the time. <laughs> you know, we see that kind of blood gushing and extreme brutality. We see that in horror all the time anymore. So um, it doesn't seem particularly innovative anymore. Um, no. <clears throat> one, I, I guess... You know, kind of the last interesting thing that I read about it was that initially the plan was to have the only revelation of uh, the the twist was going to be somehow at the very, very end, Marie was going to end up like in a interrogation room and the cops were going to wheel in a video camera and they were going to show her the surveillance footage from the convenience store and just say are you sure you don't want to change your story? And then that was just going to be it. And then we were supposed to see the actual events of the movie in an entirely different feature film. Um, but <laughs> so weird. I know. But somebody convinced AHA. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was producers or, or, or who it was. But somebody convinced him, no, we need to – because I guess Wrap that would have been up. even more confusing. They were like, no, we need to give them a little more. We need to show them a little more. So they did, and they never went forward with that you know, alternate version or whatever. But I don't know. The concept is interesting. It, we, we're being really critical of it. You know, as far as um, – cinematography is concerned acting is good you know the filmmaking is good oh it's it is it's top notch and 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 there's i mean it is tense i mean as a slasher film without the twist it is a tense intense scene the killer's really scary and i think the fact that he is um so relentless and brutal is pretty terrifying as well when he first goes into the house and marie and marie has you know, cleverly, like you said, done up her bedroom to make it look like nobody was in there. She even thinks to go into the bathroom and wipe down the sink so there's no water in the sink uh-huh. or anything like that. And when this guy comes through here and she's hiding under the bed and he is slowly and methodically going around the room, he is actually checking all these things. Mm-hmm. Like he's putting his hand in the sink and he even puts his finger under the tap, which is something she didn't think to check. And as he puts his finger up under the tap and reaches up in there a little bit, he, he comes out and there's a drop of water on there. And you're like, man, this guy is not going to let anything slip by him. Right. You know? And so it really adds to the tension of the film. <clears throat> you know, that, again, coupled with the scene of him just brutally murdering that guy in, in a random convenience store. So, and, and like you said, there's, there's, a, there's a clearly a definite look to the film. It's got a very gritty, grimy kind of look. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, does, it is a little reminiscent of Saw that way, even though I don't think Saw was out yet, or maybe it was. Um, it has a green, kind of a green, pallid cast to it, especially, and only really after the action starts going. And I, I want to say that that either when the guy is present or when she you know begins her masturbation and from then on it gets that green look to it and there was a part of me again watching this movie being able to think about these things because i knew the twist i wondered if he wasn't trying to impose like a a subconscious idea that green is envy 
mm, maybe. You know, and that she was envious, and that was kind of you know coloring her all of the actions. But yeah, it's it's a good look, and the violence is good. Actually, the um, the guy who did all of the special effects for this film. Yeah, he was Fulci's makeup special effects, you know, gore person. And um, you know, at one point he was considered like here's the guy you go for for go to for gore. Uh and so they go they went to him for this, you know. And and it's impressive like the effects if if not just extremely over the top. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so I mean it has its merits as a film. It does. And the movie kick, kicked off what at the time was dubbed the new French extreme the new French extremity movement. I mean, there were books written about it and stuff like that of this series of films that came out around this time that were coming from France, one of which was Martyrs. And mm-hmm. that might have been one of the last, you know, a few years later. I don't think it was a movement that lasted t- too long, mm-hmm. but it was a time in which fr- when French filmmakers were experimenting with doing this extreme stuff. And, oh, you know, I don't know. I, I It doesn't really appeal to me. I, I hated Martyrs. I mean... That movie, I really have mixed feelings about. I'm sure we're going to do it eventually. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> but you know, this movie, I feel similarly about. You know, I have very mixed feelings about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do too. I, I don't want to be too down on it. I, I know there are a lot of fans out there, and if you're a fan and you're listening, and we have had any misperceptions or we've missed something, and you know, fill us in. We'd love to know. Like I said, when I saw it the first time, I thought it was good. Watching it again, I, I could appreciate it for what it was, but. I probably won't ever watch it again. <laughs> There's, I, just yeah. don't, I just don't feel any <laughs> desire to ever see it again. But that's not to say it's a bad film. And if you're a fan, I I think I can understand why. But uh, twice was probably one too many times for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere that you can find podcasts, we are there. We also have a Facebook page where you can like us, share us, and also let us know what movies you'd like to do in the future and discuss these films. Let us know where we're completely off base and high tension is, you know, high cinema. (laughs) Until uh, next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. (laughs) 